0: Danger is stealing in As relapse comes above the den It's hard to know
1: Hello and welcome to episode three hundred and thirty-two of the Thinking Poker Podcast. From Melrose, Massachusetts, I'm Nate Mavis. And with me from Owings Mills, Maryland, it's Andrew Brokus. How are you, Andrew?
0: Oh, I'm doing pretty well. How are you, Nate?
1: I'm great. I'm great. I mean, things are yeah, still I mean, bad.
0: Every, everything is like with the with the asterisk of like all things considered.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh I'm I'm good. I'm good. And and how are you?
0: Good um it's I guess I, I don't know. I always feel like I like owe people an, an apology that it's been a while since we've uh since we've done a new show um but hey we've got one now and it's good to talk to you Nate.
1: Yeah absolutely it's um you know organizing podcasts and doing things and yeah uh, is is trickier during the pandemic but we've got some stuff lined up and it's a pleasure to be talking to you all
0: um, I want to take the opportunity, I don't often, you know, I, I plug things on here occasionally, I don't often plug my uh, my coaching that I do, but I just got a really nice um, email from a, a student who I just finished working with, and he encouraged me to use this for promotional purposes, and this seems like the time to do it. So if you'll forgive my uh, bragging for just a moment, this is a, a testimonial from someone that uh, just finished up doing some uh, one-on-one coaching via Skype together, and he said, I just finished three sessions of poker coaching with Andrew Brokus, and it was totally worth it. He has a unique type teaching style that differs from so many others. He starts out by asking what you want to learn and what brought you to poker. He then takes you step by step with videos, articles, and live hand reviews over Skype, where he doesn't just tell you how to play a hand. He makes you defend what you have done based on the learning assignments you've been given. This worked much better for me than just agreeing with someone who plays better than I do. I found holes in my game because of the questions he asked rather than because I was told an action was wrong or less optimal. His sessions are clear and easy to understand, which means he assessed my level early and catered them to my needs. I found myself trying harder when I played almost like a school kid trying to please his teacher to show I was listening. This isn't about memorizing push-fold tables, it's about understanding the situation and what you're trying to achieve with your actions. Instead of asking why did you bluff there, he would ask what hands were you trying to make fold there. For me, this kind of justify your actions was eye-opening. I have had bad experiences on a certain forum that shall remain nameless, where I was made to feel stupid or unworthy when I asked a question. But with Andrew, I never felt like I was being spoken down to. He seems to genuinely care that you do well. If you want to improve your game by improving your understanding of the game, I highly recommend some sessions with Andrew. So for obvious reasons, I was uh, was inclined to share that.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean... I I didn't know you were going to say that this episode, but what I would want to say is that um, talking to you about poker, I mean, it's part of why I started this show, right? But, like, the value per minute is extremely, extremely high, and part of that is that you you play really well, and you know a lot of stuff about the game, and you also know me pretty well, so, like, you know how to talk to me in a way that will um, help me. Uh, help me learn but like also the reason you know me well is that you have some measure of psychological insight and in all frankness i probably talk to like even when i talk to people who play um at an elite level possibly even gasp uh, better than you do i do not learn as much per minute as as you know from them uh as i do from you and frankly like we're often just talking about poker you aren't really trying to coach me although you know it's always instructive so um That's just a long way of saying that like you coach really, really well and talking to you about poker when you're trying to cause people to learn about poker is a really uh, rewarding experience. If somebody wants poker coaching, I doubt they can do better.
0: Well, thank you. Um, if you are interested, if you're listening to this, uh, you can go to thinkingpoker.net slash coaching for more information. Uh, you can message me on Twitter. You can email me andrew at thinkingpoker.net. Uh, just find a way to get in touch with me and I'll give you all of the information. And um, I'm pretty flexible at the moment uh, since I'm not going anywhere. So um, we can probably find a time that it'll work out. And uh, I look forward to working with you. Um, So anyway, some free coaching coming up now because we're going to do a pure strategy episode. And we've got a couple of good questions from listeners. Uh, Let's start with the second one on here. Um, Okay. This one is coming from someone who identifies himself as Moss. Moss says, this is a home game, seven-handed, $5, $5 blinds, button versus big blind spot. I wasn't in the hand myself, but I'd like us to look at it through the perspective of the button, whom we'll refer to as the hero, and big blind will be the villain. Big blind has 2k, and button has about 1.5k, so effective stacks of about 300 big blinds. Both hero and big blind are solid regs that know one another fairly well. Preflop, Hero opens to $15 on the button with Queen 7 of clubs. Big Blind just calls. Uh, He says, standard open, not much to discuss here, other than the slightly smaller open size when this deep, but nothing to dwell over. Most open sizes during the night were around 3X to 4X. Uh, Anything you want to add to that? Not
1: really. Um, I mean, if if you're in a highly raked game, I don't know what the rake here is, but if the the big blind plays even okay, and if this is in like one of these like crazy, nutso New York underground games or something, uh, then just fold here because you can't beat the rake with a hand like this. And also like if you're in a tournament or something and, and tournament considerations are, are, you know, make you risk averse. Like you're, you're you might be losing a little bit less, than you think if you fold the hand on the button, but like I would raise and three, four, you know, it's uh, that's that's it. Uh, the only other thing I would say is that our correspondent says most open sizes during the night were around three x four x, and I don't want to attribute anything to uh, the, the the correspondent here to, to, to Moss, but. I will say that sometimes people get really, really fixated on like how the table is playing. It's like, what's what's the raise size here? Or like they'll stop <laughs> yeah. the game when they sit down. It's like, wait, 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 wait. What, what what's my opening size? Like, yeah, dude, you're
0: it's it's you're <laughs> it's, it's no <laughs> limit hold'em, sir. Whatever you would yeah. like,
1: <laughs> whatever you'd like. It's like, yeah. Uh, so that's that, and you know, you should you know play 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 your own game, raise your own raise sizes. But that's just a long way of saying I have very little to say
0: yeah i mean i do think it's worth like this is probably not obvious to everyone why this like would be a raise absent you know compelling reasons like the ones that you gave not to raise with it um i mean even with 100 big blind stacks this is a raise although it's going to be one of the weaker hands that you're opening from the button but i think you're even opening like queen six queen five suited from from the button in uh in like game theory optimal world um But, yeah, so these opens, I mean, just the button in general gets more valuable as you get deeper. Like, essentially, what should happen? um, People often ask, like, well, should I play more hands when I'm deep, or should I play fewer hands when I'm deep? You know, like, how does that change? Am I supposed to play more hands when I'm deep stacked? Uh, So... All things equal, being deeper stacked does tend to favor the more skilled player. So it might be true that if you're the more skilled player, you should just play more hands across the board. But if we set aside the issue of like, who benefit, like whether there's a differential in in skill that's that's coming into play, you should play more hands when your position is good and you should play fewer hands when your position is bad. Like being out of position is more of a liability when you're 300 blinds deep than when you're 100 blinds deep. It's going to be harder to realize your equity with, with any hand. And when you're raising a hand, like queen seven suited on the button, you're not raising because you think queen seven suited is like an amazingly good hand. Um, You're raising because you think the button is an amazingly good position and queen seven suited is a good enough hand to take advantage of your amazingly good position. Um, you know I, it, it's really not just about like i know everyone kind of understands that that position is important but like when you're raising especially when you're raising the button and, and especially when you're deep it really a, a big part of the value of you know essentially when you're raising you're saying i believe i'm going to be the player to win this pot and being in position does make that much more likely yep uh, so our hero opens to queen seven suited. The uh, sorry, opens to fifteen dollars with queen seven suited. The big blind calls, and we go to the flop with thirty five dollars in the pot. Um, and the flop is ace of diamonds, king of hearts, seven of hearts. The big blind checks. Uh, the hero bets twelve dollars, and the big blind calls. Uh, our correspondent says Big Blind checks his entire range, which, I mean, we don't actually know that that's true, but um, I agree that it's probably as a spot where we would expect to see Big Blind check his entire range. Uh, Big Blind checks his entire range as he should on a board that significantly favors Hero. Uh, Hero bets range like he should, given that he flops significant range and nut advantage. We could advocate for betting bigger or possibly even checking behind, but I think solvers would advocate for close to one-third sizing with our entire range on boards like this in position, so I think it's fine. A um, full confession, I meant to uh, run this on a server today and I did not get around to it, so I have not um, verified this. I actually don't think this is going to be a one-third with range spot. Um, so he's right, our correspondent is right, that this is a spot where the hero um, should expect to have some kind of equity advantage, but also a very significant nuts advantage. So, you know, aces, kings, um, maybe even all combinations of ace-king, although I think it's not quite a given that big blind should be three-betting ace-king all suit every single time he has it, when, especially when this deep. But... Um, you know, our hero is going to have strong hands more often than than the button, and that is worth a lot when you're this deep and when you're on a board that's kind of static like this. Um, but the one thing that our, our correspondent doesn't mention, and I think is important, is that there are a lot of hands in the hero's range that really don't benefit very much from betting on this flop. If you imagine a hand like King Jack, Ace Deuce, Pocket Queens, there's a bunch of You know, good to very good hands that nevertheless don't want to play large pots. Like if you have Ace Deuce, I mean, you probably have the best hand. You're happy to put a bet or two in. You're not interested in putting in probably not even three bets, let alone you know getting check raised or something like that. Um, That's even more true when you have like King Queen or or pocket queens. Uh, And but those are also hands that really don't benefit from folds. So like Queen Seven is also a kind of medium strength hand. You know, it's a hand that's a decent pair, but it's less than top pair. The difference between Queen Seven and King Queen is that Queen-7, you're a lot more interested in getting folds from a random 8 or 9 or 10 or Jack that might be in your opponent's hand, whereas when you have a King-Queen or Pocket-Queens, you really don't care about getting those folds. So I think there's a fair chance that we would see a a solver develop some kind of checkback range. Here, that range would be built around like the most frequent checkbacks would be the kinds of hands that I just mentioned. And then it probably would also check some other hands for have kind of like board coverage and to make the big blind indifferent to to big bets on the turn. Um, But I think generally the boards where we see uh, one third C bet with range tend to be boards where there aren't hands like ace, deuce or king, queen on this board where you have a hand that's value is unlikely to change all the way to the river. and also a hand that you don't want to play a large pot with. So like an 8-8 eight, eight deuce rainbow board, you're much more likely to see bet see one-third pot with range because even you're, you're like when you have a medium-strength hand on that board, it's something like ace-king or pocket nines, and those are hands that do actually benefit from, um, from, from betting for protection, and so you do end up just kind of making one-third pot with a more linear range. I think a board like this, we're probably going to start betting more polarized from the flop, um, which might also mean a larger bet size. Yeah. So that's interesting. Like, I
1: think everything you said is right. Can I tell you my first instincts on this board? Yeah. And and you can, uh, I mean, I, I end up in the same place as you, but like by a different path. And I think like Moss was eloquent here. But what I want to say is like, ah, stack size matters all through the hand. It's not just before the flop. And you've forgotten what the stack sizes are just as soon as the flop came down. So like, a, for, for, for two reasons in particular, uh, the small bet doesn't use the leverage that the stack allows. And there can still be times for a small bet when, when, when the situation calls for it. But like big stacks are threatening because, you know, they might get in. So um, as soon as you bet that small, uh, you know, you're not you're not using all that money that's behind or you are, but maybe not as much. And second, and more importantly, is that like the big blind before the flop was facing a situation where you were raising and he was out of position and there was all this money behind left to be bet. Like, like if he plays well, he should have folded a lot. So like, why do we bet a third of the pot? It's because like, we want to put pressure on very weak hands, like, or or we want to fold out really weak hands and maybe put pressure on, you know, like, like pocket eights or something like that. Um, and you know, the pocket eights are still there, but you know, a lot of the hands like eight, six suited should have just folded before the flop. Um, or like, I guess, 10 eight suited that we'd rather get a fold from, like six outers we'd rather get a fold from than, than let's see the turn for free. Um, Those are hands that should have just folded before the flop. And even if I'm wrong about 10-8 suited, you can, I think, construct... Then, like, what about Jack-8 offsuit or something like that? Um, Like, that hand should really fold before the flop, I guess, for either... I guess even not when it's deep-stacked. But um, even more so, when it's deep-stacked, we just don't have all those empty hands to, to take the pot away from with a one-third pot bet. So against the stronger range, uh, I think we need to use the big stack. I think there are reasons to use the big stack. Generally, I would uh, lean toward a bet size with that is more than one third pot, and I don't think I would do it with my entire range. Of course, those things go hand in hand. Like part of the reason I don't want to bet my whole range here is because I want my bet size to be a little bit bigger, um, other things equal, or even close to equal. So um, yeah, I would bet more than twelve dollars. I would probably bet seventeen or twenty dollars or something
0: like that. I'm gonna um, send you a picture of a solver-generated big blind calling range. It's going to be 100 big blind stacks, not 300. Um, it surprised me how wide the solver is calling from the big blind. Um, uh, definitely 10-8 suited is, is not folding. Um, I actually would not be shocked if Jack 8 suit ended up. I mean, I've not done a lot of preflop solver work myself, um, certainly not with 300 big blinds. I would not be shocked if a solver were actually calling with Jack off suit. Now, there's all kinds of reasons why a human should maybe not do that um you know you're gonna like even though obviously like these are both humans playing against each other um i think it's a lot harder to be the human playing out of position than to be the human playing in position like disproportionately harder uh, i think the human in position is more likely to approximate a like solver approved strategy than the human playing out of position is so there are reasons i think why the human playing in position can play like as wide or wider than a solver would and the human from the big blind should maybe not but um It surprised me, and I think it will surprise you to see what solvers are, like how wide solvers are calling from the the big blind. Um, They are typically using smaller, like using two and a half big blind open, but they're also not playing with a full small blind. So I think like the the price that they're getting in the big blind is is pretty comparable.
1: Okay, then...
0: Good, thank you. I learned something. See, this guy, <laughs>
1: amazing coach, amazing coach. Like, see, I was see, humble
0: about. it. I told you that it also surprised me to learn it. So that yeah, you yeah, 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 yeah,
1: Yeah, I mean, I do think then there will be like a bunch of three outers that are no longer there, and, um, and against that wide range, like, and if the range is that wide, then like I want to bring out the gun. Like I want, like then, then let me use my stack. Like, how do you punish somebody playing a lot of crappy hands when there's a lot of money to bet? You start betting some of it, and you threaten to bet <laughs> way, 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 way more. It, screw that guy like yeah no twelve dollars i'm not betting twelve dollars <laughs> i'm not i'm not doing, i mean no that's not a thing
0: okay uh the hero in the game does bet twelve dollars and the big blind calls um our correspondent now reports that there's 71 dollars in the pop of my mac by my count it should be 69 um it doesn't matter terribly much but uh turn is the six of the diamonds The big blind checks and the hero checks behind moss says this is in my opinion an important inflection point in the hand hero chooses to check behind and presumably take his hand to showdown while i don't disagree with that per se it's unlikely we have any showdown value as villain has a lot of ace x and king x in his range that he wants to take to showdown i expect villain to bet any missed flush draw on the river once hero checks behind and take the pot away from hero so that's another way in which hero may still lose the pot even if he does have the best hand and intends to take it to showdown I think this is an ideal spot for an overbet by the hero given we have both range and nut advantage. In addition, we unblock hearts and diamonds, which is good for us. We also block queen x hands that flap pre like ace-queen, king-queen, queen-jack, queen-ten, queen-nine. Uh, we block ace-seven and pocket sevens, uh, though I expect a big blind to check right as those on the flop, so this is not that big of a factor in our choice to overbet the turn. Um, I think we're incentivized to polarize here, as we can have lots of value hands. ace x, some king x, ace-eight, uh, or ace-seven, uh, pocket sevens, and bluffs. Flop to turn flush draws, gutters, or the type of hand we have that probably has little bit of no showdown value all that being said i'm not too sure for overbluffing and would love your opinion in this spot and please note that i would never advocate here for an overbet or trying to get villain off of ace x or even king x if the villain was not a good rig against your standard recreational or home game player we're never getting them off an ace so i'm always checking behind against such an opponent
1: oh man what a well said list of things that i agree that i disagree <laughs> with like almost none of <laughs> that, I, that i disagree with almost all of um, boy uh I I am struggling to develop like a coherent theory of how I um disagree with this paragraph. Can I just say like a few things uh, yeah. almost a random and and a theme might emerge. A theme might emerge. <laughs> uh so there's the thing at the end that I just read um that we've talked about on the air like one bazillion times. You they'll they'll fold the king or an ace. Just just make them. Just if 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 you're standard like if you're not making uh recreational players fold top pair ever or like second pair especially second pair um then then like you're really not bluffing correctly or enough like they do it especially in 2020 and if you're saying like no 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 Nate like I you don't know these players they never fold top pair you should be getting full stacks with your hands that beat top pair every time do you do that huh huh i didn't think so okay <laughs> Okay, I didn't think so. Um, but if you do, then good for you. So, like, you have to choose one or the other. Like, there just is such a thing. Second, like, betting small. On, so, like, what happened here is that, like, we bet small on one street. And then uh, not a blank, but a card that didn't change, like, too, too much. Like, yeah, put some draws up, which which does matter. But, like, not draws that are really, really likely, given that the flop was bet. Um, and then we want to overbet and it's usually not, I mean, this is like a big generalization. You can tell me if this is right. Hey, Andrew, my sense is that when the board doesn't change too much, it's rarely correct to go from one third pot to an overbet, um, as the aggressor. Is that correct? Uh, no. Okay, cool. Can you say anything generally about, I guess I should buy your book. (laughs) <laughs> uh, we well, yeah, well, re- 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 reread <laughs> the book that you gave me for free uh broadly speaking is this, this this doesn't strike me as the sort of case where we should just like all of a sudden uh go from betting just a little bit to betting tons um am i wrong about that
0: um so you're right that this is maybe not a case to do it but i think it has more to do with why i didn't want to bet range on the flop um so i do think this is a reasonable hand to turn into an overbet on the turn um i don't think it's like a mandatory you know pure overbet but i think it's certainly something to consider and i think the villain makes a, a decent case for that there's a few things in there that i'll disagree with as well but um just on the subject of changing your bet size in general, typically what you're doing when you see bet on a lot of flops, and again on, on this flop you don't have quite as much incentive to do this, but um, on a lot of flops when you make that one third pot c bet, you're targeting a very different sort of hand than where you're targeting when you bet on the turn, right? When you're playing, and this is very specifically playing heads up against the big blind, so the range dynamic that exists between a pre flop raiser and a big blind caller is that the big blind caller just has a lot of incentive because of the price that they're getting pre flop. They have a lot of incentive to call with. Some relatively bad hands, and um, for that reason, no matter what the flop is, uh, there there's a fair chance that they just have no piece of it whatsoever. And the main thing that's like, or one of the main things that driving your c betting frequency is the extent to which you care about causing the big blind to fold those hands that have no coordination with the board whatsoever. So as you say, like a ten you know, eight suited kind of hand might be a good example of that on this board, where like, he could back into something, but you know, right now he is likely to just fold to any bet no matter the size. Unless he has a backdoor flush draw, but it's like 10-8 of clubs. Um, he's probably just folding no matter what. So on this board, like we have a lot of hands that don't care about making that 10-8 fold very much. If we had Ace King on uh, like a 7-7 Deuce Rainbow, we'd have a good deal more interest in getting that 10-8 to fold, and that's why we'd be betting at a higher frequency because like even our good but not great hands that don't necessarily want to play large pots they do still want that kind of fold equity so often what you're doing when you're betting the flop is you're doing what's what's often called in what i call in the book pushing equity which is if you come into the into the game with an equity advantage whether or not you have nut advantage of that although, although it helps but if you have an equity advantage on the flop which you will in most flops then um you can just sort of bet your whole range and cause your opponent to like fold away that equity advantage, essentially. So he, um, you know, like this is the kind of spot where the villain is not making you indifferent to betting your worst hands because you're starting with a stronger range than he is. He is just going to fold a lot to even a small flop bet and um, those are the hands that you're targeting when you make a small c bet on the flop typically after doing that you follow up with um, much less betting on the turn and you're betting a much more polarized range and consequently for a much larger size um, so one of the things that i want to take issue with in the in the correspondent is you know on the turn he just sort of says in passing like because we have not advantage and equity advantage and we probably don't have an equity advantage on the turn just because we had it on the flop doesn't mean we have it on the turn right when we make that small c bet we're if you know, if, if it's true as you know cuz it sounds like moss at least would just bet his entire range here if you are betting your entire range as the hero and you're assuming that the big blind is only calling with like his you know, at least somewhat decent. If we assume the big blind is folding something like 40% of hands, which is, he probably is, um, then you're essentially ironing out that equity disparity. You still you still have all your worst hands in your range. The big blind no longer has all those worst hands in his range. You might even be at a slight equity disadvantage once the action on the flop goes check that call. So you don't have an equity advantage on the turn. Um, I don't think you can expect to just get, I mean, now this is a very good spot because we have a nuts advantage. It is a very good spot to kind of play with leverage, um, make some very big bets and put some pressure on on different kinds of hands in the opponent's range. So like on the flop and we bet $12, we have no dream of making the villain fold a king, let alone an ace. On the turn, if we were to bet $140, it's perfectly plausible that he might fold a king and not even inconceivable that he might fold an ace. So we'd be targeting just a completely different hand on the turn. Now, I think your argument Nate, is, you know, why not just target that hand on the flop? And in this case, I think possibly we should, or at least like be building towards the idea that we'll be targeting it on the turn. But um, it, 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 in, on some other flops, essentially, you're just like doing something totally different on the flop, and then on the turn, you're, you, you sort of take on a new objective that calls for uh, a different bet size and different kind of range construction.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's me calling to tell you how well you explain that. That's, um, sorry.
0: It's <laughs> actually a flash flood warning, a dangerous and life-threatening situation. I should not attempt to travel unless I'm fleeing an area subject to flooding, but I'm on the third floor. So, um, hopefully yeah, yeah, not
1: yeah. yeah, that's nice. I like it. I like, I like thinking about it as like a sort of funnel too. It's, you know, it's like, like interviewing it's like there's like a phone screen and that's just to sort of filter out a few things and then there's you know there, there, there are much stricter criteria to be applied later that's um, we're, we're gonna we're gonna make it a little bit hard to get to showdown on the flop then we're gonna make it real real hard to get to showdown on the turn and I'm not sure that's the right way to be doing it in this hand in fact I think it's not but now I, I'm thinking about it more clearly I'm thinking about it more clearly
0: great yeah so I mean I, I do think like with the queen seven um I mean, so he's right that we have some blocker value with with queen seven. One of the things that we are doing when we, I mean, I also think it's true that we don't have a whole lot of showdown value once the bet with with queen seven is called, which which could cause you to question like why are we even betting the flop if we're thinking like once we bet and get called our hand is no good anymore. And the reason is that we care about that fold equity against the 8, the nine, the ten, the jack, and also that like you're not guaranteed to get to showdown even if you check back the flop, like you still might get bluffed on the turn anyway. So queen seven just like doesn't have a ton of value on the flop to begin with. So like, you're not like you're really wasting a lot of value by betting it. The blocker value is is not insignificant. The fact that you could improve to, um, you have vector straight, you can improve to two pair or set. Like those things do give the handle a little bit more value than if you were just betting with like four, three offsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, but so on the turn, uh, one of the things that we are doing by over betting, we are making it less likely that we'll have the best hand if we river a queen. So if we bet two X pot on the turn and get called, um, you know, it starts to become a little bit more likely that the villain has two pair and less likely that he has just like a one pair hand where queen seven would draw out on him. That's a little bit of a downside to over betting is we kind of kill a few of our, else um it's not the end of the world i do think the blocker value of the seven is is more significant you know our our heroes our our correspondent who's not the hero in hand our correspondent said that he thought that the villain would probably check raise if he had a set or two pair on the flop and many people will but this is a spot where he has a decent amount of incentive not to precisely because we're contemplating you know, overbetting the turn with, like, quite a lot of hands, right? So that is his incentive to not check raise the flop with his strong hands is, like, if he can anticipate, oh, the button is just, like, if I just call the flop, the button is just going to start overbetting, you know, betting 2x pot on the turn with, like, you know, 40% of his range. Like, that's a lot of incentive for him to just, just call the flop and give us the opportunity to do that. Um, and, and that, like, there is this kind of, when you think about equilibrium, right, the two strategies are, are balancing one another out or, or kind of keeping each other in check. Um, slow playing and over betting do that like we should be over betting enough that we make the villain indifferent to slow playing and he should be slow playing enough that he makes us indifferent to over betting and this is the kind of hand i would expect us to be indifferent to over betting so like i do think it's relevant that we're blocking pocket sevens like that is the kind of strong hand that would obviously never fold to an over bet that the villain you know might consider slow playing Um, but i don't think that the hand is like the hand is so good for bluffing that we're going to do it as a pure thing because that would incentive the villain incentivize the villain a to not fold an ace and b to um to to slow play quite a bit when he did have a set or two pair. hmm. Uh, the but it goes check check and the river is the queen of diamonds. So our final board is ace of diamonds, king of hearts, seven of hearts, six of diamonds, queen of diamonds. Our hero, Rivers, two pair, backdoor flush also came in. Uh, the pot is still $69. And uh, our hero is holding Queen seven of clubs, by the way. So that's how he has his two pair. Um, the big blind leads for $25. Hero raises to $75. Big blind calls. Uh, hero wins when big blind shows Ace of Hearts, ten of clubs for one pair. And Moss says, not really sure what to make of Big Blind's lead other than that it seems to function as a blocker bet that does not want to check and face a large bet. Heroes Raise is interesting in that it is a little too thin but not completely out of line given the relatively small size of the pot when we get to the river. Um, yeah, I think that's that's all we need there. Uh, what do you think of Big Blind's lead? What do you think of Hero's Raise? Is it too thin? I don't think Hero's Raise is too thin. Like, often,
1: I mean, I'm... I do enjoy a good hero just call on the river but here like we've done nothing except a single third pot bet on the flop after the flop and you know button range is pretty wide um big blind should really be betting quite a few hands here and i think two pairs just a little too much to uh uh to 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 just call with here and it's like so what do we do if we get three bet like i think I haven't gone through all of this yet. I haven't constructed all my ranges perfectly uh, yet, but I think Queen Seven is fine to have in a raise folding range, especially given that we block a diamond, or maybe that makes yeah, we, it.
0: We, worse. we don't. We don't block
1: diamonds. Oh, maybe that makes it better. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think. I think it's. Fi- I mean, is this one of the best hands? Well. Look, if it's not okay to fold, it's because we don't have enough better hands to be raising that that we have to call. And I think that's not an argument for not raising in the first place. I think I think we're too far up in our range to just call, um, given that we bet so little on the flop. If we had bet closer to full pot on the flop, I would. And if this bet size were comparable on the river, I would be much more inclined to just call. Um, but basically, nothing has happened since pre-flop when the when. Ranges were really wide, so I like the raise. Um, I might raise more, uh, than this to make it like this looks like a three. X. I mean, I just sort of assume that what some when somebody bets small and then the other person makes it three x that the bet size is bad, but <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, uh, just for Bayesian reason. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I would. <laughs> I would I would make it different, like slightly less wrong race size to a hundred. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I'd probably make it one twenty five and because like hero should have so many bluffs, I think. Um, I'm not totally sure what to do if I get three bet. I think folding is fine. But um yeah. Really far up in our ranch. And Big Blind should have a lot of potential bluff catchers to call with.
0: Yeah, I'm, i I wish Moss had said more about why he thought this was um, a little too thin. Uh, he he kind of seems to assume that we're going to take that for granted. <laughs> I don't think it's right, okay.
1: Obvious. Look, look, look! I, I should be honest. I have a theory of this hand. Is that Moss is the big blind and he likes. <laughs> No, like, but he must be like, like, think about it. It's almost too obvious. It's almost no, too. I, I did
0: have that thought J- just when he was like, "Here's a hand I wasn't involved in. Let's pretend. Let's let's evaluate the buttons play." Like we no, get like- so many of those, like backhanded. You know, I wasn't the hero, but and like, yeah. I, I did, I did suspect the same thing. Well,
1: no, no, no. But like, let's put it together. Like, a Moss says that that like he wasn't the hero. B he he somehow knows that big blind was checking his whole range, or like he just sort of said like big blind checks his whole range on the flop. Like, yeah, why well, would you say boring. that? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's like, I happen to know Big Blind. Like, he says Big Blind is, like, this really good rag. That's like an old 2 plus 2 meme, is that, like, <laughs> whenever somebody says that, like, he's playing a hand against a really good player, that, like, the, the, the really good players in fact, the poster. Um, thing number four is, like, you know, he's saying it's too thin because he, in fact, lost the pot um you know that like he's he's criticizing his own play in retrospect and like the 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 losing the money is annoying and fifth this is like a veiled extremely indirect bad beat story where he thinks he should have gotten pushed off the hand on the turn with an overbet and like (laughs) he would have folded ace 10 correctly and like that's that's how he thinks he could have gotten away from this hand so that's my theory this is probably not nice to moss but like yeah, putting aside who Moss is, if like, if I was just presented with this transcript at random, I would if, suspect.
0: If I were Moss and this theory were true, I would find it very funny and amusing that you correctly guessed that.
1: <laughs> like, I don't even think it's like a very. I, don't know, I I I think it's like the first thing one would think. Maybe, <laughs> I've, been reading, maybe I've been reading podcast email too long. For- but if I were to like put this into a, like a machine learning classifier, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, go ahead.
0: Um, yeah, so I guess let's let's start with the big blinds play of of betting here in the first place. Um, it's kind of a tricky spot for big blind because it's not that easy for him to represent a weak hand. I mean, hearts missed, I suppose like queen jack queen 10 well i guess yeah rivers of queens i mean he did river a little bit of a pair with queen jack queen 10 um like most of the big blinds calling range has some kind of showdown value he doesn't have a whole lot of hands that he can bluff with on the river so it is hard for the big blind to i mean the the big blind can't bet too widely for value because he does not have a lot of um a lot of bluffs with which to to balance them and um, he also cannot make very large bets so I do think, like, we tend to call these bets blocker bets because that's just sort of what they were called. I don't know that they're really functioning as a block anymore in the sense that, like, people are allowed to raise them and people do raise them. Um, So I don't think the objective is really, like, stop my opponent from making a bigger bet by making a small bet. It's more um, compel my opponent to call with hands that are worse than top pair or else lose to my bluffs and when you don't have a lot of bluffs you have to use a small size in order to accomplish that because if you make a larger size he can just be like well that guy doesn't have that many bluffs I'll just fold um, You know, unless he has a hand that can like obviously be top pair or whatever so I think the, the big blind choice to bet is definitely good I think his hand has value um, he shouldn't really expect a lot of bluffing from uh, from the button if he checks, because the button had a very good opportunity to bluff on the turn and chose not to do it. Um so we shouldn't really expect to see a whole lot of like bet check bet bluffing from the um from the button. So the big one does not have a lot of incentive here to, to check and call as a bluff catch. And um I think his, even if he were wanted to bluff catch, he should do it with weaker hands than this one. Uh, you know, like king high or a pair of kings beats a bluff just as well as a pair of ace does, but the aces are better for value betting, so we should use his aces for value betting, he should use his kings or whatever for bluff catching. Um, so I definitely like the big blinds bet, and I'm on board. I mean, it's possible he could use a slightly larger sizing, but like I'm, I'm on board with essentially what he's trying to do. And I think for the hero, it's not especially close raising. Um, as you say, it's quite unlikely that the... Hero is actually going to have a hand as strong as this. Like in general, we shouldn't. Like, it, it, the, because the hero has the nuts advantage on a board or because the button has the nuts advantage on a board like this one it should really be the button who's driving most of the actions. so if the button has a strong hand he wants to build a pot with it he should really just be betting it on the turn uh, he, he shouldn't be doing a lot of like checking the turn with strong hands we're extremely deep he doesn't have a lot of reason to think that the big blind is going to build a pot for him if he doesn't do it himself um, so he should just be like building the pot with most of his strong hands on the turn it's a very static board he doesn't really need to worry about like checking for board coverage reasons he should just be betting a lot of strong hands on the turn. So when we get to the river, the hero really shouldn't have that many um, hands that are like strong enough to raise a bet for value. The, the main way that the hero can have such hands is when he's improved by the river. So you know, jack 10 is maybe a hand that would bet the flop and not always bet the turn um there might be some other like two pair combinations i wouldn't bet pocket queens on the flop but it sounds like uh you know our correspondent might if he had been the one playing the button so you know maybe he can river pocket queens but generally like the way we should have strong hands here on the river is they should be hands that are improved by the river card because if they were already strong on the turn we should expect that the button was mostly betting them on the turn so kind of by definition the button's not really gonna have that many strong hands when he reaches the river but he does have a lot of weak hands that he used bet the flop with and then just, you know, chose not to, to bluff again on the turn. Um, and so, you know, he can use, even, even with a relatively large raise size, he can still make the villain at least indifferent with a hand like Ace-10, where even if you were raised to like $125, I still wouldn't consider it trivial that the big blind could just fold Ace-10 um, because the big blind is really going to have a hand better than Ace-10. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think it's too thin. I wouldn't really expect to get three bet, too much by the big blind. I mean, if it happens, it's more just like you deal with it. I mean, whether or not Queen's, I don't think it kind of matter I think the big blind three betting range should mostly just be like Jack 10 and bluffs. Um, so, you know, if you block Jack 10, you'd be a lot more interested in calling, but you're probably not raising too many value hands that block Jack 10 unless you just have Jack 10 yourself. But you probably should have a fair amount of Jack 10 or, or diamonds in your. Um, in your range so yeah i mean and you're probably just indifferent to calling a three bet with the sand and you're mostly hoping it doesn't happen yep yep um yeah I, I, I love your theory i mean like i said i i had the same hunch that you know we might be dealing with a uh a, a hidden hero here but i didn't yeah. have as, uh, as strong of a justification for it and regardless of whether it's true i enjoyed hearing your argument for it and uh, moss i hope you're amused and not offended yeah 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 good all right time for one more quick hand here this next hand is coming from zach uh zach says huge fan of the podcast here's the hand you might find interesting this is from a 1500 guaranteed tournament on america's card room with a one dollar and 65 cent buy-in we're about halfway through late bridge blinds are 650 1300 folds to the villain on the button who min raises to 2600 with 48k behind small blind calls with 80k behind I'm in the big blind with pocket nines. I have them both covered. So we're looking at effective stacks here that are um, small blind has like 35-ish blinds. And I'm sorry, the button has 35-ish blinds. The small blind has... 60ish big blinds and the hero covers both. So we're either 35 or 60 big blinds deep, depending on who we end up playing a pot with. Um, Button min raises, small blind calls, and the hero is in the big blind with pocket nines. And Zach says playing deep stacked in tournaments with these middle pocket pairs at a position is definitely a big leak for me. Calling seems horrendous. Is this a three bet or fold situation? Uh, or not or fold? Is this a three bet? with the intention of folding situation uh i'm not going to be happy if i get a four bet shove i know button open range is very wide but the min raise is setting off alarms in my head a blind steal from the button tends to look more like two and a half to three big blinds am i just getting that feeling the villain would love to see a three bet here am i looking too much into the sizing i'm glad to say yes i mean i don't play a lot of dollar 65 tournaments but like uh I don't, yeah, I don't think there's any reason to assume that, like, a small race is stronger than a big
1: race. Yeah, a lot of people are min-racing, especially when there's just, like, a button that you can just click to yeah. min-race. Um, the other thing is, like, I I think I, I think I would just call here also. Like, um, so, anyway, spoiler alert, this person calls. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we're a bit too deep to jam and also when it goes min-raise call, I'm going to be w- wanting to call with like so many hands and protecting that with a hand as good as pocket nines is pretty nice. There are a lot of reasons to want to 3-bet, but um yeah, I don't know, or like having a wider 3-betting range. See, but that's the thing is that like we can't just 3-bet wide with impunity because the small blind should be pretty good, to, like should have a pretty good strong range to call with. So it's not like We have enough of a range advantage to, like, I I wouldn't want to try to construct a range for three betting that is wide enough to include nines, and then also, like, weaker hands. But, yeah, I think just calling here a lot is a good strategy, especially the way these tournaments actually play, and I'm happy to put nines in that range, and that's fine. Maybe that's bad. What do you think, Andrew?
0: Uh, I would definitely Mm re-raise. Um, Unless I had some kind of read that the button were particularly nitty, I think 9s is just way too high up relative to what a button opening range looks like, and I'm not concerned about the small blinds call. Um, Even in theory, I don't think he's really supposed to be flat in there very often with any hand better than 9s, but I think in practice in a $1 tournament, um, people are just calling a lot from the small blind, and I'm not really worried about him. I mean, it's it's hard to have a hand better than 9s. There aren't too many of them.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it is it is a small tournament. Okay. I like it. Whew, I'm real rusty. I'm real rusty. It's
0: uh I mean, put me in the WSAP main event unless I have a very good reason not to. Like I'm I'm re-raising this. Good. This good. is just, I mean, it's just it's a very strong hand. Like okay. It's a little uncomfortable. Like honestly, even if the big blind shoves, like nine's a perfectly fine hand just to get in 35 big blinds, big blind versus button. Like that's
1: 100% oh yeah is the button I'm happy like That's fine. That's fine. I'm not worried about calling a button shove. That's
0: Yeah, if the small blind like back raises shoves, that's a little like suspicious but I'm probably still calling. Um, I think you see it enough from people who are just pissed and they have like pocket eights or pocket sevens or ace jack. Or, I mean, there's just enough hands that you have good equity against and there's gonna be a lot of money in the pot at that point. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think what we're seeing here, and it, it's fairly common in the way people analyze um, a, a lot of different spots, but certainly with, when it comes to like three betting, anything other than extremely nutty hands, pre-flop, people tend to focus on worst case scenarios. And so we see a lot of uh, emphasis here from Zach and uh, oh, but what if I get four bet? You're not gonna get four bat that often. Right. Like I mean let's just let's there's a lot of value in other parts of the game tree. Even if we accept that like getting four bat is, is kind of unpleasant and you know like there's still there's just a lot of value in re raising and having both of these players fold. I mean there's antes there's so between antis and blinds, there should be about six and a half blinds in the pot um that's like it's huge to just win six and a half blinds is amazing yeah Um, even with a hand as strong as nines like you're very 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 happy to just win six and a half blinds so if you just re-raise and they both fold that's a a fantastic outcome um if you re-raise and somebody shoves you know it's it's not great but i don't think you're uh, i mean i think you you're calling i think you're making a little bit of money calling you're not making anywhere near six big blinds by calling but like i don't think you're losing money in that um in that scenario like I, I mean so basically like they're not gonna have hands better than nines very often something has to happen with all those hands probably they're folding a bunch of them which is great if they don't fold them then it just means that your equity when you're called is better or your equity when they shove is better and yes like you do sometimes run into which sometimes they call and the flop is like sort of tricky for nines to navigate or sometimes they shove and you kind of unhappily call it off with nines um but like It's not like you don't get into spots that are tricky to navigate when you just call, and then you're in a three-way pot, and the flop is like 10-7-3, and it checks to the button, and he bets like two-thirds pot, and the small blind, whatever the small blind does, like, I'm already not that excited about this situation. Um, So, like, I mean, yeah, playing out of position is tough. Playing medium-strength hands is tough. Um, One of the ways you make it easier on yourself is by winning the pot (laughs) pre-flop another way you make it easier on yourself is like getting all in pre-flop um i I think there's just there's enough value in in the part of the game tree where they fold to your three bet that you can just suck it up and deal with like slightly difficult spots you might get into if they do something other than fold uh
1: yeah i like that a lot i think my instincts would have been better four months ago it's been a weird quarantine thank you for sending me straight i'm glad there are people who are still thinking about poker (laughs) etc
0: Uh, our hero does call. I'm I'm not going to call it horrendous. I mean, like, a folding would be horrendous. You know, calling is I think definitively less good than re-raising, but not wildly. so. I mean, you're you're giving something up by calling here for sure. Um, three ways to the flop with 9100 in the pot. Uh, the button is going to end up being our main villain. He has 48k behind, and our hero covers. So we're looking at a stack to pot ratio just a touch over five. Um, and the flop is three of hearts, two of hearts, two of clubs, and our hero has nine of clubs, nine of diamonds. So hero has just an overpair, no, uh, no kind of relevant flush card. Um, we're in a three-way pot. Small blind checks. The uh, our hero now is the big blind bets forty-five fifty, which is half the pot. Uh, what are your thoughts on betting here versus uh, versus checking to the preflop raiser?
1: um i think i want to have a betting range uh we are the likeliest player to have a deuce or a three for that matter that we might want to protect there might also be some pocket pairs we want to protect there should be some hands we want to bluff you know like if we peeled with six four offsuit i'd like to bluff that hand um if if like i'm folding six four offsuit for one big blind with that price should i i'm calling preflop with six four offsuit is that right
0: um, I actually would probably fold six five. <laughs> six five, six five. Six, yeah, five, six
1: five, five. I'm calling. Yeah. All right, and I want to bet that hand on the flop. So I like having a betting range, and given that I have a betting range, I think it's big enough that I'd want to put this hand in it. Um, Going to get called by a tie? That's fine. I mean, maybe you want to fold some of those hands, but uh, yeah. So I like I like having a betting range, and I like betting this hand and how big should i be betting with my betting range in a tournament i think half pot seems about right so i think i like this how's that sound
0: i hate to keep doing this
1: (laughs) no 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 it's just good i'm getting better i'd rather know when i'm wrong i'd rather know when i'm wrong this is better i don't i don't learn you know whatever (laughs) tell me this is great i'm improving
0: i'll I'll say a couple things i i i'm not great when it comes to uh like what a what a solver would do in a three way pot I don't I don't really have much experience with like so I like, in terms of whether betting is a thing here at equilibrium I'm not sure um I think it could be I think I, I don't think it matters that much that you have more deuces than anyone else does. We're an SPR where like overpairs are nutty. Like if the button has aces, he's not like, or he shouldn't, I guess some people are, but like the button shouldn't be like, Oh shit, i have to be careful. Big blind might have a deuce like SPR five. He can just stack off with aces. And if you have a deuce like unlucky for him. Um, so I, I don't think you really have a nuts advantage here just because you have uh, deuces in your range. I think it matters more that the, the button has all the overpairs and, you really shouldn't even have a hand as strong as nines, I think. But um, I think this is a board that's pretty favorable for the for the button. Just in general, like the button should have a stronger range than the players who are calling from the blinds. And this is a board texture that does very little to change pre-flop ranges. So whoever had the range advantage pre-flop is still going to have the range advantage on a very blank flop like this one. Um, that's even more true when we're dealing with people who are like too loose from the small blind, for instance. Uh, Now, even if in theory it's correct to have a betting range, I don't have a lot of confidence in the ability of most people to balance that range as well as you might. Um, I think what ends up happening if you allow yourself to have a betting range here is you do what Zach is doing and you only bet hands that look like this. Like, I bet you Zach checks every time he has a deuce here. I bet you Zach checks every time he has... uh, Maybe he's betting 6-5. I I somewhat doubt that. I very much doubt he's betting when he has a deuce. I think he's kind of just, like, betting when he has a hand that looks like this, where he wants to protect it. And the problem with doing that is you're essentially betting for information, even if you're not saying that that's what you're doing. And all the reasons why betting for information are bad is kind of why betting here is is bad. Um, Because what ends up happening, our hero bets 45, 50, half the pot, the button raises to 11K. And right away, it's like, what are we doing with nines now? I mean, on the one hand, it seems like like the board looks very favorable for nines, but we're showing a lot of strength by betting and the button is raising us anyway, and he certainly could have better hands than nines. Um, you're just kind of like immediately putting yourself in a, in a bad spot. And the reason is that... Um, yeah, you're just like you the player with the condensed range here. <laughs> for, for people who have heard me talk about these concepts or have read platinum Poker, um, you're just like the button has a has the nuts advantage on this board because of his overpairs, And that means that you should mostly just be deferring to him on the flop to let him do the betting. And he should be doing a fair bit, even in a three-way pot, he should be doing a fair bit of bluffing on a board like this one. So you can get plenty of money in good by checking nines here. You don't need to bet nines to get money in good. You don't need to bet nines to protect your hand because nines are, I think, strong enough to check raise here. Um, And I would rather give the villain the opportunity to bet um to bet with his worst hands and then i can raise rather than when i bet um he's probably just going to fold a lot of the hands that would have bet if i eject and then i could raise and still get the value of protecting the hand but get more dead money into the pot by betting um i think we're just like essentially telling him what our hand is and then giving him the opportunity to play pretty well against it i like that a lot i like that a lot very very nice uh Zach says, "At this point, I'm pretty much certain the button is holding a pocket pair. Uh, that's quite a claim. <laughs> I mean, I maybe you find people in in these one dollar tournaments is like are never raising here as a." bluff but i think part of the problem with this is like the villain can just raise a polarized range where nines turns into a bluff catch like he's definitely representing a pocket pair um there's no reason he couldn't do this with a weaker hand like maybe he thinks as many people who write into the show do that a player who's dunk betting just always has a hand like this one and that they can be raised off of it many people have that belief um so i think it's entirely possible that he is bluffing here i think the value of calling him down with nines is probably about what folding nines would be worth which is to say that you know his raise is functionally making you indifferent to calling him down um that continues there shouldn't be any twos in his range except ace two suited i could have more twos than him two three suited two four perhaps however with this uh, raise of 11k the pot is now 25k and he has 37k behind i'm doubtful i can get a fold from him by shoving perhaps i could get a small pocket pair to fold but is that what i want right now uh no, you do not want a smaller pocket pair to fold. And um I am also very doubtful that you're getting him off of a hand better than nines. Uh he absolutely should not be folding a hand better than nine so I definitely wouldn't be thinking in terms of like, could I turn my hand into a bluff here by shoving? Um Yeah. I mean,
1: do do I want to be bluffing? N- not off that hand. And right. if I did want to be
0: bluffing, would I want to be bluffing with this hand? No. Yeah, I mean five four or two hearts is the kind of hand that you might like bet and shove over a raise because you have equity when called. Nines would not be a good hand to do that with because nines is drawing pretty damn thin against kings. Yeah, and doesn't block anything. So uh, yeah, good. um Zach says I ranged him to have sixes through aces and sometimes ace king. That puts my hand in an awkward position. Uh, feels like I should be. Uh, folding as the best move here. If I had a read on this opponent, I could have decided between a shove or fold with only 20 hands. I didn't have much info. Um, sounds like he called because he tells us that the turn is the king of diamonds. I think at this point I would call, um, but again, I kind of don't like the spot that we put ourselves in by betting. Um, turn is the king of diamonds. Our hero is still holding pocket nines and the board, three of hearts, deuce of hearts, deuce of clubs. Uh, hero checks, button checks. I think we can take kings, aces, and ace king out of the villain's range now. I certainly expect a bet from those hands on the turn. Um, we're doing now with a pretty low SPR. Um, SPR is like 1.5. I don't think it's inconceivable that he's checking those better hands, or I think he should be sometimes in theory. I think uh, Zach may well be right that many people don't do that. That many people, you know, do in fact just like at least if they have aces or ace king, maybe they want to slow play when they have kings. But like many people are just going to play more straightforwardly and always bet when they have aces or ace king. So. I'm kind of inclined to agree with Zach that like, I feel a little bit better after seeing him check the the turn. Do we agree with that? Yes. And the river is the nine of hearts. So final board, three of hearts, deuce of hearts, deuce of clubs, king of diamonds, nine of hearts. Zach says, well, now I'm less concerned about what villain may have and more concerned with how to get as much money in the pot as possible. Because Zach has pocket nines. So i like to do the worst possible thing and check. In the moment, I'm thinking villain may try to bluff the river, but upon reflection, that doesn't make sense. I said villain's range is going to be made up of pocket pairs almost exclusively, and all of those hands are kings in the Ace King Queen game. I feel like by calling villain's three bet, he may have me on a weak two or a flush draw. There's no use in betting if I have a two because I would be call. Um, there's no use in betting if I have a two because I would be calling, and there's no use in betting if I miss my flush draw because I will always be folding. Oh, I see. He's saying from villain's perspective. There's no use for villain betting if I have a two because I'd be calling, and there's no use for villain betting if I miss the flush draw because I'll be folding. Uh, Villain checks behind and reveals pocket jacks. Uh, I really wished I had bet something like half pot. I feel like villain would be calling that a good percentage of the time. Uh, What do you think about a river bet here as far as sizing? Um, I i think james is now james i think uh, zach's analogy to the ace king queen game is spot on i think villain has kind of condensed his range by checking behind the turn um to the extent that he is slow playing something on the turn it's often something that's better than nines anyway but i think at this point we should be targeting medium strength hands in the villain's range which are going to be pocket pairs below a king and we should bet whatever he think whatever we think he's going to call with those hands um that could be all in like i don't think betting 1.5x pot would be totally unreasonable here you might find that many of your opponents overfold to all in bets in which case maybe you'd be better off like potting it but i think you want to go pretty big um i think in a one dollar tournament like your average opponent probably calls the river too much and he's probably supposed to call the river a lot here even in theory so i would not be afraid to go big um i agree that checking is not a good idea because i think villain like We should have been checking to the villain on the flop because on the flop, he can bet a polarized range. Once he he checks behind turn, I think he's kind of telling us he has a hand he doesn't want to bet, and I wouldn't count on him changing his mind on the river.
1: I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I have very little to add. Just that, like, for all these people who say my opponents never fold, move all in here. Like, if you really think they're not bluffing enough on the flop, or if they did bluff the flop, they would have bluffed on the turn. Like, You know, like this is where this is where like if you bet a quarter of the pot here, just to make sure you get value, you're not behaving consistently. If you really think your opponents aren't folding, here's where you get tons and tons of value. And betting half pot instead of full pot is a huge, 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 huge mistake.
0: Yes, thank you for saying that. And thank you for doing this. It's good to yeah. talk to you again.
1: Yeah, super fun. Let's do it
0: again soon. Um, I would like to. We yeah. might have some uh, some exciting guests coming up soon too. Stay tuned.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Have a good day, Andrew.
0: You too. The devotion of a car, the life of the passage of a bill, and who will sign us into law? I know you won't, you won't, you won't, you won't, will you? You won't, you won't, you won't, you? You, won't you won't, will you? You won't, you won't.